Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Jersey Joe Corner. It is brought to you by Big Heads Media. It is going to be a great hockey season uh, coming right up. A lot of interesting things. Uh, Anchor.fm will help you uh, start your podcast and get things rolling. It's going to be a lot smoother when you uh, when you get the Anchor app, and it's so much easier to navigate. Even their online website at Anchor.fm is very efficient, and you can do a lot of great things with it. With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are proud to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes. Good evening. This is your host, Jersey Joe, and Jersey Jim. What's going on, everybody? We're back again. We're back uh, again. The podcast. This is the one where we add in Tyler Kelly. I'm trying to add him in right now. Uh, let's see if we can get him on right now. So. Before uh, Tyler Kelly jumps on in, before he responds, um, we're going to ask him some uh, follow-up questions and his take on the whole uh, situation that took place yesterday and um, head coaching possibilities, analytics stuff. You want to hit on more? No, it's going to be basically just as a, as I like to call it, a um, podcast discussion table. We really don't have a round table. We don't have a square table. It's a kind of an air table discussion. So Triangular. I'll use that. So um, we're just going to break down, you know, what's going on, what the latest is, get his thoughts. Um, it's just so much stuff going on out there right now. You don't know who to believe. So uh, Pierce, oh, Tyler hello. Kelly us. How's it going, Tyler gentlemen? Kelly in the house, baby. Welcome to the Jersey Joe Corner with Jim and I. Not much, boys. Not much. Just, uh, just looking forward to talking some ratio here. Yeah, yes. world win, uh, world win event. I guess uh, yesterday, kind of shocking, really, if you think about it. Coming down at what five thirty yesterday. Yeah, it was. It was like I felt. Well, I guess it, it came down later than than the Heinz news, and and Heinz, everybody kind of you know at least saw that one coming. But yeah, like it, it really did come out of nowhere yesterday. Honestly. Uh... With the the change of the GM, with the two variables remaining in place, you have uh, interim general manager Tommy Fitzgerald effective immediately yesterday, and you have Martin Bordor. So 
those two important variables. Now, do you see them getting your boy Ricard uh, Gruenberg from uh, the Zurich Lions in the NLA? I mean, I, I hope so. It's hard to say if they will or they won't. Um, by firing Shiro, it kind of looks like they're not going to be scared to go out and spend money this offseason if, if it because it's going to cost money to buy out um, the remainder's contract. Um, so it, it kind of to, looks to me like like it's a possibility, um, but I mean, who knows what they're going to what direction they're going to go? Who knows who the GM is going to be that that's looking for this coach? It it, it looks like it it's probably going to be Fitzgerald, but. We don't even know who the GM is going to be, and and whoever they bring in as GM is going to bring in his own guy as a coach. So it's hard to say. So leading up um, after the firing of John Hines, and what are the uh, the hockey analytics, you know, Corsi for and goals force that um, Elaine Nazardine has got this team moving forward on, and some other. Uh, statistical input that is in favor of Elaine Nazardine or somehow back him up? Um, I, I wouldn't say that the numbers do back him up. Uh, I was looking at it, and I can pull the numbers up now. I don't have them in front of me like right this second. But I was looking at uh, the Devils' last 10 games earlier for uh, Corsi 4 percentage and expected goal percentage. And uh, Corsi 4 wasn't terrible. It was, like, it was in the 48, 49 range, but they were, I think, 21st in the league there. But their expected goals percentage was was actually um, in the low 40s, and they were the sixth, the worst in the league um, over the last 10 games. So it, it's it's fun watching the Devils win these games, but I, I wouldn't say it's because of anything Nazardine's done. It, it's... Uh, Blackwood is playing well, and now it's Deming playing well. Um, so you're looking at it, the, exactly if they got this goaltending when Hines was coaching, um, the results would have likely would have been even better because they had better numbers under Hines, uh, better underlying numbers for the most part under Hines than they have under Nazardine. Yeah, it's crazy to you know with you know the way the team is playing under Nazardine. Especially, they seem to be playing more like a team-first game, as I've been pointing out to a lot of people. You know, with Hall gone now, you know, it's Heesher's team. Um, you can really see it in his play, more confidence. And it's just, you know, it feels like there was something more internally between Shiro and Harris and the management because those quotes yesterday were just like, we want to go in a di- different direction and we're not getting the job done. And they spent money in the offseason. They allowed him to make the trade for Subban, get Gusev, sign him to extension, and they kept him on to allow him to make the trade, uh, you know, that sent Taylor Hall to Arizona. Just, I guess it all just got to a tipping point. Uh, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. It, I, it, that makes sense to me. Um, and, and from originally, it, it seems like – it seemed like a, a more of a firing early on, but now it does. Now that the details are leaking out, it seemed like it was they they just they just wanted to part ways, and they had two different visions for the franchise. And uh, I, I, what worries me about what's going on is um, I didn't necessarily want Shiro to be fired. Um, I thought he's done done a pretty good job. And if you asked me uh, six months ago what I thought of the Devils' off season. I would have been actually it would have been like five and a half months ago because that's after they got Goose. 
Um, so if you asked me like five and a half months ago, what I thought of the devil's off season, what ratio had done, like I thought he did a great job and I understand the ownership being, being upset too, because yeah, he did bring in Subban and that entire cap hit and he did trade away Hall and, and retained um, salary on that deal. And he signed Simmons and he traded for goose who he then paid. So, and then they paid butcher. So there's, there's a lot more money in the books this year. And then they have another, they had until yesterday, another $6 million sitting down in Binghamton. So uh, I can understand the owner's disappointment, and it's the same as the fans. Like we, we all want results, and and the results so far with Shira have been uh, two first overall picks, and uh, and one playoff appearance, and that's not a good ratio right there. And and they're headed towards a, another first overall pick again. Well, um, currently, uh, not to interrupt, but I was looking at the NHL overall standings, and the Devils sit at fifth overall. Uh, if today ended the season and I played a little tankathon today and the devils have had jumped up to second overall getting Quentin Byfield. Um, there were some interesting numbers by Sam Stern scouting with him having 1.93 uh, points per game. Uh, can you elaborate more on that on his power forward game? Uh, I, I honestly haven't haven't done too much digging on prospects this year, uh, but what I do know is that it, it's a deep top ten this year, and that's great. Um, especially if Arizona, uh, we just saw Anti Ranta go down. Kemper's already down. Um, if Arizona falls out of that playoff race, you're looking at potentially two top ten picks for the Devils in a really deep top ten, and obviously it's a pretty clear one too with Lafreniere and. Uh, and Byfield, but then uh, three through ten are pretty strong players too. So there's a lot that can happen at the top of this draft, and, and the Devils could realistically in this offseason do nothing and and add uh, two players that are going to be major difference makers within the next two to three years. So One of the things that we talked about last time when you were on here was with John Hines and his <clears throat> inconsistency to be consistent with the line combinations. And under Elaine Nazardine, we've, we've seen it that – he seems to be happy with what he's got, especially with the top two lines and that Gustav line of, of um, you know, Zajac and Coleman have been the Devils' best line this season. Who would have thought? Um, what do you think of their play lately, and uh, can they keep this going? Yeah, that, that line's been incredible. I was looking at it yesterday, and there's, there's not that many lines that have played um... – played over 200 minutes together at, at 5v5 to this point. Uh, it's just it, there's a lot of teams shake things up a lot of the time. Um, but when I when I looked up the numbers on Money Puck last night, uh, they were sandwiched between the Ovechkin-Backstrom line and the Crosby-Gensel line in, in uh, expected goal percentage at 5v5, which obviously is an incredible place to be. I think at this point they're at a 53 um, expected goals percent, which is good. It's great. It's it's uh, it's it's exactly what you want to see. And 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 credit to John Hines, he's the one who who put that line together. Yeah. So so he deserves some credit, even though he's down in Nashville now. But uh, I mean, it's a great line. I I would like to see some experimentation there. Um, I think you keep Gusev and. Coleman together if if the Devils are truly going to be a forward-looking team um, if they if they want to win this year then I get it they'll keep Zajac as the center but if they're forward-looking 
Um, it doesn't hurt to to keep Gusev and Coleman together and and work in uh, Hughes as a center there. If that doesn't work, see how Zaka fits because um, they they do need to, to determine if Zaka is a part of this team going forward. So there's only one way to find out. Now, Tyler, I have a I have like a a bit of a theory and a question at the same time. So bear with me on this one. Uh, with John Hines being the head coach of the Nashville Predators and Nashville has been a good trade partner of the New Jersey Devils and Fitzy kind of has a little bit of a relation with uh, David Poyle because of Shiro. Do you see guys like Wayne, I mean, uh, do you see Kevin Rooney and a few other players in the AHL that might fit that system of John Hines over there and maybe we might get some sort of return for those guys? Uh, I could definitely see um, Miles Wood ending up in in, in Nashville. Um, we know that Hines loved Wood over the past few years, and, and he's a productive player. Um, and it, it kind of looks like Hines immediately came in and, sh- and shuffled some things at the bottom of their lineup. He took out Austin Watson. Um, and so maybe he wants, wants more of a Wood-type player to fit that role. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, and, and there's there's plenty of players at the bottom of the Devils lineup that, that they could send down to Nashville. Um, Rooney is one, but uh, I, I don't know if the Devils are really going to get anything for Rooney. But I, I'm sure teams will call about Rooney around the deadline too. Um, teams always want to He's a good defense. penalty killer he, from what I've seen. He is. He's a good penalty killer, and he, and he is a good fourth-line forward. I know like he doesn't he doesn't score, and, and uh, I wouldn't expect him to score. He's he, technically now – has a lower even strength uh, goals per 60 than, than Pecorine and, and less goals at even strength than Pecorine. And that's funny, but um, he's, he is a really good fourth line forward. He, he excels defensively and, and that's, that's his role, which is good. And I'm sure the devils will get calls about him because teams, I mean, Brian Boyle always, always gets, gets calls at the deadline because um, he's a good depth forward. So. And who has the best uh, zone entry uh, and zone exit, you know, for the Devils right now since uh, Taylor Hall is with the Arizona Coyotes? So who who are those good candidates since Hall's departure? Um, so, I, I mean, typically uh, Nico Heischer matched Hall's uh, transition numbers, like, not 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 identically, but but Nico's always been great in transition, uh, and and I haven't honestly, I haven't dug on those numbers yet. I'm pulling it up right now um, for all the numbers from Corey Schneider on on his Patreon, but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, a different Corey Schneider. <laughs> yeah. But uh, oh, the S Z N A J D E R. Yeah. Um, Exactly. I know that. Yeah, but uh, no, I, Nico consistently has been great in transition, and that's why he's such a good play driver because he gets the puck up and out, and he, and he always has has a ton of carry-ins, and that's how you generate offenses in the NHL. You don't generate offense with the with a dump and chase anymore. That's just not how it's done. So, Nico, uh, Nico would be if I'm guessing. I mean, I, I am guessing right now. Uh, who is leading the Devils in? Uh, in transition right now, my guess would, would be Nico, and I'm sure that would that'll be correct when I when I actually get my computer to log in in a second. So, and and so I'm currently looking at MoneyPuck.com, looking at uh, 
goals per 60 minutes. Brendan Gallagher of the Montreal Canadiens leads uh, on the website 1.45 over Brady Kachuk. And uh, Brian Russ, who's not really that big of a name of a forward, do you think, you know, a guy like him and Blake Coleman has a, a point – 1.06% uh, goals per 60 minute. Do you think Blake Coleman could possibly match some of those guys if he sticks on the same line with Goose? So Coleman, yes. Coleman's really, really, really underrated. Uh, I think if you actually look at his goal numbers over the past few years, not, not necessarily the past few years, but if you look at his goals over the past, I think, three years, and, and not just his goals, but his uh, – his individual chances for and uh, his high danger chances for he generates and has generated a ton of chances uh, the past three years now, including this year, he's generated a, a ton of chances and, and that's just kind of who he is. And, and it definitely helps him. You think about the, the fact that he was generating all these chances the past few years and he was doing it with no, no, I'm not trying to, no offense to Travis Ajak, uh, but he was doing it with Stephen Nason as a lineman, and Stephen Nason was also a really good defensive player um, the past few years, but he wasn't great offensively. And so Coleman kind of has been doing it on his own. Um, he's, but he's his play driving is even it's it's up again this year. Um, his individual scoring chances for uh, is up to ten point two six, which is over one point better than uh, than he had last year. His high danger chances is up to 5.03, which is also very, very good. Um, and his goals per 60 the last two years was 0.64 and 0.76, and he's up to 1.23 at 5.5 this year. So he's having a great year. And, yeah, I mean, being being with uh, someone like Gusev is, is part of that too because, I, I mean, every time I watch Gusev, I have no idea what he's about to do, and it looks like he's going to be completely shut down, and all of a sudden he just throws the puck somewhere and it lands right on a player's stick for an opportunity. So – so pairing those two together is, was is, was an incredible decision. Yeah, I compared uh, Blake Coleman the other day when I was watching to a uh, former Devil, uh, John Madden, because the way like he just scored shorthanded, but he was that grinder type, you know, Mad Dog, you know, obviously got the nickname, but he, you know, those two guys just mirror images of each other, and I see the same thing with Coleman. Like he's just out there and he, he he's working hard. And he's just got that fire that Madden had. And just pairing him with Goose, like you said, was just a great thing. And, you know, it took Gusev some time to get adjusted to the NHL, which everyone probably expected, though some thought maybe he'd come in transition right away. But then again, like we talked about before, it's where was he playing and how many minutes was he playing to start off the year? You could see his production going up with the more minutes he's been playing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so, Tyler, can you tell the listeners on why the New Jersey Devils should select Ricard Grunberg and why uh, you mentioned him in some of your articles and uh, why you got me enticed about him? Yeah, uh, so I, I'm, I think there, there's, there's a lot of good coaching options, and, <clears throat> and Grunberg is, is my favorite, my personal favorite. But uh, I think part of the issue with the NHL is that uh, you see so many retreads, right? Like Pete DeBoer went from New Jersey to San Jose, and then he was rumored to be tied to Nashville, but then Nashville apparently didn't want to pay all that money. So then they go to John Hines, who's a retread from New Jersey, 
and, and and all these coaches get fired and move on to somewhere else and you see one it's just the same 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 over and over again uh, but when you look at somebody like Gronberg, you see he's had a, a ton of success in and it's it's been an international play uh, mostly, I think this is his actual first year um, coaching a professional team. Um, so he's mostly coached smaller tournaments. He's coached internationally uh, for Sweden a lot, and he's a great coach. Um, they've had a ton of success with him, with him at the helm, and now he's doing um, great in Switzerland. Uh, so he's he's not a retread, which is a huge bonus to me. But then you look at uh, some of his philosophies. I can't pull up the article right now, but uh, but I they're... actually came across him a couple times today, which I sent to Nick Villano, and I can recite a little bit. So bear with me. Yeah, um, go ahead. So what I saw on Drager Cafe was Darren Drager basically said, "You have a North American wife, but uh, you also have like uh, North American uh, players in and uh, on your team." Uh, do you think that will benefit you uh, being, you know, on another European team and having a mix of different players? And he goes, basically, yes, because, you know, you have the Swedish style and you have the uh, Swiss style and you basically incorporate a North American style game in, you know, like a little smaller rink that's not exactly wider but thinner. And we kind of seen that in the World Juniors. Um but I do like the fact that uh, Gronberg uh, uses analytics to back up his uh, his his actual physical strategy. Yeah, um, and and he really he is like really he's a, he's an extremely forward thinking coach, and and, um, and and so like there's there's an article and this is from Chris Johnston on on Sportsnet. Um, and Gronberg is talking about, about the NHL and he's talking about everyone's playing the same system. Um, this is a direct quote from him. It seems like they have one team that's been successful for a year or two and suddenly everyone is emulating everything that they do. Um, and that's, that's, that's interesting too because do you want to follow one, one mold or, or, or can you work with um, – or can you work outside that box? Can you, can you bring in your own system? Can you build a system to your, to your players – and I think that's one of the that that relates to one of the quotes that that I've seen, and, and I think he's going to be he, he would be a great develop, developmental coach. Um, he uh, he obviously knows systems, and he's he's worked with young players over and over again. This is a young team. Um, it, he's he's exactly the fit that that I'd want in New Jersey at, at this point. Um, and, and I'm I'm actually shocked he hasn't been, been brought in. Yet, but uh, mm-hmm. but you know it's it, uh, he did, he didn't have experience, so I guess it's not that shocking. Um, but he's coached he's coached some of the best players in the world. Um, he'd be a fresh face. Uh, th- there's a lot of there's a lot to like about Gronberg, and and who knows if he's the answer? Who knows if he'd be, even be interested in coming to New Jersey? But uh, from I'd, lo- I'd love to see it. From what I heard that he has coached uh, Elias Pettersson and William Nylander, and I remember uh, the Stick and Graph podcast with Rachel Dory. She was on the Let's Go Devils podcast, and uh, she mentioned that the Devils should be in on William Nylander. Uh, do you think anyone like Tommy Fitzgerald and 
possibly Mark Tamberdor could be eyeballing a guy like William Nylander to help uh, bolster the offense longer term? Or do you think they'll just stick with what they have at the core? Um, I mean, Nylander would be an, an incredible acquisition. I don't think there's I – would, I would say there's like a less than 5% chance that Toronto moves him. So um, I, I don't think anybody's going to get Nylander other than Toronto. His contract is incredibly valuable now. Um, he's a great player. We were talking about transition earlier, and he is – consistently one of the best players in the NHL in transition. He's a great play driver. He's great in both ends of the ice. He can play center. He can play wing. He's a right-handed shot. And he is truly, he's a phenomenal player. Um, I, I don't think Toronto moves him. If the Devils have the opportunity to to try and get someone like Willie Nylander, they absolutely need to go out and do it because th- that's not a player you, you can pass on. Um, who knows what it would cost, but, but there's a lot that the Devils have that they could offer. Uh, but I wouldn't be shocked to see someone like Damon Severson moved. And, and we know Toronto just, just had uh, Morgan Riley go down with Jake Muzzin already down. So maybe they want to add a defenseman. Maybe maybe you package Severson plus to to go get Nylander. And, and with Severson being cost-controlled, he carries more value than, than I think people would expect. So so there, there could be something there. I mean, who knows? What about um, another guy on the Devils' defense to piggyback? Off that because Toronto's defense is in shambles right now, even though they called up um, Sandine from the minors. What about a guy like Sammy Votnin? He, I mean, he's in his last year of his contract, UFA, going to Toronto. Do you see maybe they could package something with him? Or do you think they keep him around, try to keep him around longer and build around him on the back end? That's Votnin's a really interesting one because I think even like uh... – even I think it was like a month or so ago, I wrote an article um, about what I thought the devil should do going forward as it seemed that they were destined for that first overall pick. And, and number one was trade Taylor Hall and they already checked that off. And number two is trade Sammy Votten. And, and, and I think he carries a good amount of value. He's a right-handed defenseman again, which always carry a ton of value at the deadline. He's having a career year. He's putting up tons of points. He he's looked really good on the devil's power play. Um, he's a good, he's a, He's a good defenseman, and and yeah, I I still to this, I wouldn't be opposed to moving him. Um, if the package is right, the package is right, and and if they can't get him extended um, below like five and a half million uh, per year, then then why extend him? In my opinion, um, I don't I don't think that he's not somebody I, I'd want to pay above market for. Um, if he's willing to take a, a fair deal and stay, if he wants five and a half million for over four years, sure, cool, stay. Um, I'd love to have him, but if not, then then move him, and, and he'll carry a ton of value. He's he, I could see him bringing back a first round pick and a prospect. Wouldn't shock me at all. Closer to the deadline, so. And then just real quick, going back to you know the coaching, I know everybody's on Gronberg. Is there any other um, coaching? prospects or potential coaches out there that you see that would be a good fit for this young devils team um not beyond gronberg um i have there's there's a ton of good coaches out there but somebody else i'm really interested is in is uh igor larianov and it's kind of uh in a similar goodie it's a similar light to uh, to Patrick Eliash. I know Devils fans love Patrick Eliash. Uh, they all fantasize about him coming back as an assistant. I don't. Th- I think it's a possibility further down the road. But Larionov is, is an incredibly smart human being, uh, and we saw 
he's he's helped out with Team Russia. He, he was on the bench for Team Russia this year at World Juniors. Um, and, and I'd like to see similar to Gronberg, some of that some of that fresher creativity brought uh, brought over to the NHL. And Lariano's played the NHL game. He played for the Devils for a brief period. Um, I, I think. I think he'd be not not as a head coach, but I think he'd be a great person to have on staff. Um, he's just he's incredibly smart, and you want smart people in the room, obviously. Um, More intellectual, yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah. And um, and I think he'd be a, somebody great to look at um, as an assistant coach. Um, and, and and there there are really good head coaching options out there. I I really thought that Dan Bylsma was a really really realistic option um, before Ray Shiro left the organization. And now I, I don't see that happening. No, um, neither do I. So, so it's, it's uh, I, everything right now is, is truly in flux. It, it's hard to, to, to try and pinpoint any head coach candidates because we don't even know who the GM's going to yeah. be in, 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 in five months, four months, whatever. We don't even know who the general manager is going to be. I, I do think it'll probably end, end up being Tom Fitzgerald. But uh, it's hard to say what direction he'll go with coaching because he's basically been uh, Shiro's right hand man his entire his entire time in the front office. So yeah, it's crazy because um, you know they're thinking about you know could this be a trial run for Fitzgerald and he's gotten so much praise around the league and then when you know all these GMs positions come up it's always Tommy Fitzgerald that's names gets mentioned. So I guess you know, ownership feels that, you know, this is a good move and maybe they remove the interim tag on him. Like maybe they remove the interim tag on that. Like they, like they did mention him a year ago. It was uh, Carolina. Then the year before it was uh, Minnesota. So he does bring a lot of, so I believe he's very heralded still, even, even now with the interim uh, tag on. Yeah, he's been tied to almost every last year specifically, almost every single team. He was he was talked about as as somebody that that could potentially um, be looked at as a a head coaching or not a head coaching. I'm sorry, as a, as a GM candidate. Um, and, and so, I, if if the Devils don't keep him, I think he'll go somewhere else and be a general manager if there's an opening this year. I think he's probably one of the next ones to get it. And it's hard to say what direction they go if they don't go with Fitzgerald. Um, so it, there's a lot. There's a lot that's going on. Yeah, it really is. It's, and and then, obviously, you know, we got Marty as the advisor role, and we know what he's done in, in the past in St. Louis. You know, he had an advisor role with hop, Hockey Ops there, and he then became an assistant general manager. Is there a possibility that that could happen as well? Um, I think that's, I think, I, I don't think so anymore. Uh, I think it's, it's been speculated a little bit here and there. Uh, and, and it, it, again, that wouldn't even shock me if it did happen. It's, he just spent what, three years in St. Louis, um, in their front office, they won the cup and, and now he's back in New Jersey. Kind of, kind of seems like the, the prodigal son returning home. Right. Um, and, and and it wouldn't shock me, but I I don't necessarily think when he first came here, it, it seemed like he was heading away from a front office role, um, like he want he didn't want to roll in the hockey ops, and now he's coming on as an advisor, which I think makes sense. But I don't necessarily know that he wants a role in hockey ops. I think he did it the last few years in St. Louis, and now he's doing it because the Devils have asked him to. 
um, as an advisor, but I don't necessarily know if that that's what he wants long-term. And I don't know if it would be the best decision for the devil's long-term. Um, but it's always a possibility. Yeah. You just got to throw it out there. You never know. I mean, the guy has been around the league and, you know, he's, he's played for this team for so long and, you know, I've heard it bounced around. Maybe he wants a similar role to what Brendan Shanahan has in Toronto. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, it, it, and that's possible too. Um, uh, he he'd have a little little more ways to go um, yeah. to, to get to get that Shanahan role, but but yeah, that, that's that's a possibility. I mean, it, it's it's no different than Shanahan or or Eiserman. Um, they both Eiserman's in that in that 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 president role in in Detroit now too, and um, so so that wouldn't. I mean, maybe maybe that's the way he wants to go, and and maybe it is baby steps for him too. Um, so. Do you think, you know, going forward after the 2020 draft concludes, do you think, you know, Tommy Fitzgerald and Martin Bordeaux will be very uh, strong on the free agent market? Because the the years before last summer, it always seemed Ray was going very passive or just not at all do anything in the free agency other than a few minor signings. Do you think that culture will change a little bit? I, I hope not. <laughs> um, it, it's I guess it's going to depend on on the owners. I think I, I think something that we haven't talked about, um, but what I but what I think was part of Shiro getting fired was probably ticket sales. Um, I think I, I'm sure you two got emails, but I know I got an email asking me if I'd like to come to a game from from a season ticket rep. I um, did. I know. Yep. I get them all the time. Yep. Yep. I, and I, like, I, I don't even live in New Jersey anymore and I get them all the time. I usually um, get, I usually get that stuff to my email because you know, they're always calling. Yeah. Um, and, and so they've, they're, they're making their big season ticket push. They just traded away <laughs> um, Taylor Hall. And, and so I think, I think part of what probably drove this move was, was ticket sales. I think the owner's, I mean, there's there's no there's no way to say this for sure, but I think the owners probably want want more results, and I don't think they want to sell the farm. I don't I don't think they I, I don't think they want to sell off all, everybody. I don't think they want to trade Paul Mary. I don't think they want to trade Vatnin. Um, and, and I think Shiro wanted to do kind of tear it down a little bit more than they probably wanted. They disagreed, and I don't think he liked the idea of not being in control of his team. I actually. <laughs> support that idea where don't tear it down so much i mean you still need a nucleus go ahead jim yeah so um real quick it kind of goes to the point of maybe the owners felt that they were in a position to make the playoffs even though you know from an outsider's perspective you know 11 points it may not seem that much but when you have to pass a lot of teams to do it it is um ben shiro's like hey guys you hired me for a reason you just and by the way, this just came out today. He got a four-year extension at the end of 2019 mm-hmm. season. So it's gotta be that philosophy that the owners thought, hey, we could have a chance at the playoffs this year. And Shiro said, No, we're gonna keep the plan in place that I told you about. And you know, go from there. And and the piggyback of what you said about the ticket sales. Did you know, and I just found out this today, did you know that no other team in the league leads the league in more comp tickets than the Devils do? I, I did know that, and I also know that back when Lou was the GM, 
the Devils almost never uh, gave away comp tickets. It was it was really frowned upon by Lou. It's something that that started happening a lot with this this new ownership group. And uh, yeah, they give away a ton of tickets. And I get it; they want to get people inside, and the team hasn't been very exciting. Uh, but uh, I think I think that was part of the driving force here. The owners are, are kind of they're probably hemorrhaging funds a little bit here, and they just took on a ton of money, and they're not seeing results, and and so that probably contributed. Yeah, probably contributed a bigger factor than we all think. Parking, most likely. I think if they gave a little bit of a good uh, value pack with parking, I think they would have driven up sales a little bit more, make it easier to eat. No pun intended. I'm not talking about Mercado Tomato Pie on uh, Edison Place, not too far from PJ Ryan's. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, just it just it's just so it was just the timing is just so weird and we may never get a real reason to why Shiro was let go but it's just one of those things that like you said no one saw coming I guess there was some rumblings you know about it but nothing like concrete but again like you said Tyler it's just a result oriented business and when you don't have results and you have one playoff appearance in five years you know the coach went you're only allowed to hire one coach, and now the GM gets has to go. Yeah, and, and I, I, I gen, genuinely thought Shiro had done done a pretty good job. Obviously, everybody has their miss, everybody has their misses. Um, but uh, I, I really, and I thought this off season, I thought he he did a great job. I the only issue um, that that I think should have really been addressed additionally, and I think this should have been addressed like the past three years. Um, was goaltending, and, and I get I get why they didn't, but I think it, we all knew they should have. Um, there, there's there's always goaltenders available, and, and we saw Leonard go to Chicago for basically a uh, one year deal for five million dollars. I mean, w- would it not have benefited the Devils to to give that exact deal to Leonard um, rather than signing Simmons? Yeah, yeah, it definitely yeah. would have benefited them because if they had Leonard Blackwood right now. Um, John Hines probably still has a job and the devils are probably fighting for a playoff spot instead of being, uh, was it their 28th right now? 27th. Yeah. Um, so instead of being 27th or 28th, you know, you bring in Leonard and you have a one, a one B scenario with, with Leonard and Blackwood and you're probably looking at the playoffs. And, uh, and so, yeah, I, and I'm not saying the, the Simmons signing even was a mistake, but, but that money could have been better allocated somewhere else. Yeah, and even going into the season, everybody expected, you know, Corey Schneider to be better. I mean, most of us, you know, because everybody's saying, oh, yeah, no, he's had a good camp. We expected it. And through two periods, he looked pretty good in the first game. Yeah, yeah you're right. He, he did. He looked great in that Jets game. And then uh, and then all it, it, it all it took was that one injury. And, and and that's another thing that worries me with this year is is it looks like Nazardine's coaching for his job. Um, and he's in full win now mode. And, and what worries me is that he's going to, to burn out Blackwood. I know Blackwood's young and, and he should be fine, but we saw what an incredibly heavy workload year after year did to Corey Schneider. He went from being a Vezina candidate to, to the AHL. And, uh, if Blackwood is a part of this team moving forward, the devils need to be very, very careful with their usage of him this year. Um, they're they're not going to make the playoffs this year. It's just it's just not realistic. Yeah. Um, you might as well not burn them. Yeah. So so I mean I I, I'm fine with him playing basically anything under 60 games. Even if he hits 60 games, I'm not going to lose my mind. But but to 
they were playing him in back-to-backs, and they played him right after he lost four teeth and had dental surgery. Um, they played him in a game right – I think it was t- less than 24 hours after he had dental surgery. They put Against him in the game. Rangers. Yeah, and, and now he's being held out. Um, and, and, and so it's just they need to be careful, and they what that's what worries me about having two interim um, – I had an interim head coach and an interim GM because the, now the GM is GMing for his job and the coach is coaching for his job. Uh, without that stability, it worries me that, that the long-term interests of the franchise aren't going to be at the forefront, and maybe that's why Shiro left. Uh, maybe maybe Shiro, like, like I, we talked about earlier, may, maybe it was Shiro was worried about the long-term. The owners wanted some short-term results. He refused to budge, and and then they parted ways. And if that's the case, that, that's that's a scary thought for the Devils and for this organization. Well, yeah, and that's like the one thing I've been hearing a lot, like on the radio today, is like, you know, they talk about the new owners, like because you know back in the day, you know, when Lou was there, you know, he was the GM, he controlled the team. The owner had no input prior to Vanderbeek being there. Like McMullen let Lou run the team. And then when Vanderbeek came, you know, it was like, oh, well, we didn't give the contract to Parisi, but now all of a sudden we're signing Kovalchuk to a 13-year deal. That's not a little move. You know, the owners get – now the owners getting involved in this. And one of the things I heard today, and I know you know, I know a lot of – everybody knows this one too, but, you know, the analytics team that the Devils have reports directly to the owner. There is no – you know, they don't go to the GM to the owner. And it's not, I'm not saying they like sabotage Ray or anything like that. I think it probably has to do more of a vision thing. But now it's going to be more of a collaborative thing. You know, does the GM want to have full control or do they going to be like, hey, you know, you're going to be collaborating with a lot of people. It's not going to be just your team anymore. Yeah. And, and that's a good point. And, and that brings up a, an interesting GM candidate in my mind. And it's uh, Eric Tolsky from the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, he's had a major impact down there, and, and he's heavy. He runs all their analytics stuff. Um, so if the the rumors that the, that the Devils are looking at going with a heavy, heavy, heavy analytics front office, um, if, if those rumors are true, then then I, I'd say he's somebody you look at as, as a very realistic candidate. Um, if, he thinks he's, if he thinks he's ready to jump into a GM role, um, and, and, and we've seen teams that, that follow the, the analytics model have a ton of success uh, every single year in every sport, basically. So it makes sense that the owners want that push. And it is very weird that the analytics uh, duo of Dello and Kane would report directly to the owners rather than Ray Shiro. That is extremely strange. So, I mean, it, it, it's basically money puck, you know, the Devils are in 2020. It's a readaptation to another uh, GM. And if it is Fitzgerald or someone else, uh, how does this affect all the other players like Zaka? We already talked about Wood. Where do you think Zaka fits in a trade? Uh, <laughs> it's, it's hard to say. He's, he's kind of similar to – it's similar to the Rudy conversation we had earlier. But but with a little bit more value, like obviously Doc is he's a great penalty killer, and and he's he's an okay depth forward. He's having a pretty bad year this year, but uh, he's an okay depth forward. Um, but he's kind of that that change of scenery trade, right? Like you move him out, and, and maybe he goes somewhere else, and he has a ton of success. That wouldn't shock me. Um, he's got some of the tools; it just hasn't translated. 
and you see those tools, especially at on um, the penalty kill. But uh, yeah, I, he could. He's another player I could see with a new GM, with a new regime taking over. I could see him getting moved um, closer to the deadline to a contending team to, to fill out a, a nice depth role. Um, and, and it wouldn't shock me. And, and then it's kind of the same with Severson. You know, he's been here for for a long time now and, and he's still really young. He's, he's on a cost control contract and, and maybe it's time to, to ship some of these guys out and bring in, bring in some new blood. Um, speaking of, well, this is not exactly new blood, but these are all goaltenders. I'm going to name that are under 40 years old or under 30. Um, Braden Holtby is 30 years old right now. Uh, you have Robin Lehner, you have, well, Matt Murray maybe, but I don't think that's happening. But Jacob Markstrom and uh, Thomas Grice and Cam Talbot and Yaroslav Halak. Which of those goaltenders do you think uh, the Devils will go after? Uh, I, I there's there's a few good options. And it's going to depend on on exactly what the Devils want to do, right? Um, if the Devils are willing to give out a little bit more term and a little bit more money, then I think they target someone like Robin Leonard. If they're not willing to give out that money in term and they're looking at maybe a two-year, maybe a one-year deal and, and a, a cap hit below like $3 million, I think Yaro Holak is your guy. And I, I love Holak. I think he's a great goalie. I wore 41 um, when I played specifically for Holak, but he's, he is probably – in my opinion, uh, the most underrated goalie of the past decade. Uh, he's put up phenomenal numbers, and, and he's never really been given that shot as the number one. And uh, and, and, and when he has, he's kind of had issues, but he's so great in that 1A, 1B role. Um, and that's that. he's exactly the kind of guy I'd, I'd want to see brought in to, to play with Blackwood. And you have Blackwood play 50 games, Halak play 35 games. Maybe maybe you make the split a little closer. But but it's exactly what we've seen Boston do with Rask. Um, and, and you have to have two goalies. And, and I want I would avoid um, Holpe at all costs. He's going to look for six or seven years. And, and I would never – want to give a goaltender over 30, that kind of term. There's, there's no sense in putting yourself in a Bobrovsky situation, uh, no matter how bad your goaltending uh, situation is, because you can always find that, that Robin Leonard for 5 million, that Darcy Kemper, um, those goalies are out there. You just have to find them. I was going to say, you still have uh, an overall worth of four and a half million dollars on average for, a guy like uh, what was it, Halak, and he he might be making a little bit more than that, but I think he's totally worth maybe. Uh, well, yeah, he's worth around three million dollars. You could easily give him three point one million per years, uh, six years. Yeah, the the only issue I see with the Devils and and paying a goalie going forward is that if they still have Corey Schneider on the books, he's still got a decent cap hit. But I mean, obviously the cap's not an issue for them. Um, but I would that there are definitely some some good free agent options. Even even Jacob Markstrom, he's he's a little bit he's thirty two and he's probably going to want that term and that money. 
but but maybe you can snag a Thomas Grice, somebody like Grice who's been uh, similar to Halak in that one B situation, and he's been very good. And you could probably get him for two years or under three million, um, maybe maybe right at three point five. But there there are options, um, and 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 the Devils have to address goaltending. Going into next year, they can't go in the next year with, with Blackwood and Schneider again. That's just a recipe for disaster. Then it begs the question why nobody wanted to trade for Tristan Jari in the offseason since he was available. Yeah. And, and, he, and he's had, the Devils didn't go after him. He's had, he's had great numbers um, in limited appearances the past few years in the NHL. And it, I, I – I think the the biggest issue with with goaltending in the NHL is that is that truly nobody knows how to evaluate it, right? Like we have we have goals saved above expectation, goals saved above average, um, on 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 the public analytics side, and they're good tools, but but it's so hard to evaluate goalies, and and yeah, nobody Tristan Jari was available this entire offseason, and nobody wanted him, and he's crushing it in Pittsburgh this year. And it's incredible. It really is. Um, and I just, I think, it, I think it, it just points to how bad the NHL really is at evaluating goalies. I mean, and then you can go back to Halak. Look at when he when he came into the league. You said you said you hit the nail right on the head. Best, most underrated goalie of the past decade. Because the one thing that stands out to me from 2010 is Yarrow Halak and the Montreal Canadiens doing what they did to the Washington Capitals and the Pittsburgh Penguins before falling to Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean they Hawak. Yeah. You can you can get numbers. Fortunately, going back to to almost, I have his salary numbers going back to two thousand five, two thousand six. So yeah, you you can get his, but so I I can get his analytics going back to the start of the decade. If you go back to to two thousand ten, eleven, um, and you look at goalies who've played, uh, just say two thousand minutes in that time period. Um, and then, and then you look at goal saved above average, which is a pretty standard uh, evaluation tool. Hendrik Lundqvist blows everyone away. He's at a, a one eleven. And then you have Corey Crawford second at sixty seven. Brobrovsky third sixty three. And then it's Halak at fifty one point nine five. John Gibson is the next closest after Halak at at thirty eight point four eight. So you're talking about uh, Halak from two thousand ten to present has a 20 better goal saved above average than Carey Price, who's supposed to be one of the best goaltenders of the decade and who Montreal moved Hawk out to keep um, Price. And, and Hawk's just, he's, he's incredible. He's incredibly underrated. Um, and the most impressive part is that he's putting up these numbers with, uh, with less time on ice than, than Bobrovsky and Crawford and Lundqvist. And uh, and less time on ice than Holpe, and he's way ahead of Holpe too. Um, so he's been he's been incredible, uh, and and I would love to see him in a Devils uniform for a year too. To, to yeah, yeah, that would be it. Would be great to have him here. I mean, just his his presence alone, and you know, just that working with Blackwood, you can give him. You would be able to give him so much time off. Yeah, exactly, and and I think I think we're going to start getting into the. Um, similar to what we what we see with baseball, where young pitchers have that the pitch count managed in their first few years in, in the majors, where where they get shut down at the end of the year once they've thrown a certain amount of pitches for the year. I think we'll kind of see not not exactly that, 
but I think we'll see some teams limiting their goalies to to sixty games, to, to pretty much never hitting sixty games. Uh, I think we're going to see some teams trying to keep that fifty five thirty five uh, fifty five thirty two split. Uh, sorry, that was bad math. Uh, Fifty, uh, but what? <laughs> but keep, <laughs> keeping their starter. It, it happens. It's real time. Yeah, keeping their starter below. Um, 55 games and uh, closer to 50. Maybe, maybe you do see that 50, 32, um, something more like that. And I, I think that's the way going forward that, that we'll see a lot of teams go. And I think it makes a ton of sense. And just looking back at Yarrow Halak's uh, peak base salary, total salary, it, it <laughs> talked at $5 million back in 2018 and the past two years, it's dropped down drastically almost by half of that. But he's still putting up really good numbers, though. I mean, um, do you think he's going to be one of those players that are going to be on watch that they keep an eye on? What do you mean by that? Like uh, players that you need to have like a, an underrated goalie that you need to sign if a team like Boston doesn't bring him back. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, I mean, he would be at the top of my list um, target wise, cause he's not going to get a crazy salary. And, uh, and he really is the ideal goaltender for, for the devil's situation. Uh, he's been so good the past few years. Uh, and, and so like, it's, if you go back to from night from this year, back to six, uh, his goal saved above expectation, has been two point two point three seven in nineteen twenty so far, ten point zero eight in uh, eighteen nineteen. He had a tough year in seventeen eighteen um, on Long Island at, at uh, he had a negative nine point two three, and then the year before that it was a six point three three. So that's exactly what you want in, in your backup goalie, and and I I use the term backup loosely because I look at it, he truly is he's part of a duo. So. And so with the prospects in the AHL, you know, Marion Studenich is there. You have Jill Sen, who's getting his time in there. Who are some guys in the pipeline you like uh, coming up from bingo? Uh, not necessarily, you know, headed towards February, but for next year. Uh, I think I think this year we'll, we'll see probably – once trades start happening and they start moving people out, I think we'll see Merkley end up in the NHL. Um, and, and Joey Anderson, I think Joey Anderson isn't, he's not going to be the centerpiece of a team, but he's a really nice accessory player. Um, he was kind of that way. He was a leader and, and on Minnesota um, all throughout college. And, uh, and he's somebody that I look at as that, that, uh, Middle sixer, probably, probably maybe that second or third line winger, uh, and 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 I could see him. I, I expect him to make the team next year. Um, so, would you see a guy like um, Ty Smith or Kevin Ball, as we saw at the World Juniors for Team Canada, win gold? Um, do you see one of those two guys having a chance, or maybe both guys making the team next year uh, defensively? I think Smith does. I, I still think that he should have made it this year. I know there are a lot of people that disagree with me. And, and at this point, I'm actually glad he didn't because I wouldn't have wanted to burn a year of his ELC uh, to participate in this dumpster fire. 
But uh, I think Smith makes the team next year. I think Ball needs another year to to develop. Um, that there's a there's a lot that he needs to work on in his game, just like Smith had some he needed to work on. But but Ball's I don't think Ball is nearly as far along. He's just a lot taller. Um, and uh, I think I think you're looking at with Ball two two years away probably. Um, and and he'll need. I think Ball will probably need an entire year in the AHL before he makes the jump. Uh, because with, 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 when you're talking about somebody who's six foot seven, he's going to and he's actually a really good skater or somebody who's six foot seven, but he's going to have to adjust, uh, to the speed at the professional level. And it's going to be tougher for him to adjust than someone like Ty Smith. And I think Ty Smith is someone that you see come next year. He's probably, maybe he's in a third pairing role and he takes that, that butcher sheltered left defenseman, uh, role. But, uh, I definitely think Ty Smith makes the team next year. Yeah, and I'm in agreement with you. I thought he should have made the team this year, but again, I'm glad he didn't because this dumpster fire that's going on. But I thought and all the garbage yeah, that's going exactly, on. Exactly. I thought he had it. I thought he did enough to make this team, considering the weakness that they had at lefty. Yeah, absolutely. And and people, when I've had this debate on Twitter, and it's it, it happened way too often in the beginning of the year. Uh, oh, there are a lot of people who thought he didn't perform well and, and I'm not here to say he performed great but I can tell you he did outperform a, a majority of the devil's left defensemen um, in the preseason so I thought he earned, earned at least his 10 games he didn't get him it is what it is they're not going to burn a year of ZLC so that's cool but uh, I definitely think he makes the team next year what about a kid like Marion Studenich who could possibly be filling a role on the left wing right wing side do you think he can be one of those guys that sneaks in by preseason? I I, it, I don't know. It's hard to say. Uh, I think he's got a lot of potential, but I, I still think he probably needs another year down down in the AHL too. Um, Binghamton's definitely turned it around this year. They look a lot better, and, and that's refreshing. But uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't be rushing any of these kids along. Uh, the Devils have good young talent at the NHL level. Uh, assuming they move out one or two more players, you're still only talking about one or two uh, roster spots. And I think you're probably looking at, at Merkley and Anderson filling those roster spots. And I don't see them moving out a ton of players. So you're looking at, unless they move out Zaka, Rooney, Hayden, and Wood, you're really only looking at two forward spots being opened up uh, and then Green's defensive spot being opened up if he doesn't come back on a team-friendly deal. What about Mirko Mueller? Do you see him, you know, not coming back as an RFA, you know, not being tendered? Uh, yeah, he's, he's an interesting one because I, I don't think he's done enough to, to, to continually play at the NHL level. So I, I'd like to see them just, just move on. And now that Shiro's gone, it wouldn't shock me at all if they moved on from him because I think that was one of the – that was a, a tough trade for Shiro, one of his worst for sure. And uh, and I think the whole reason that, that Mirko Mueller was still on this team is because he made that trade and he was trying to see if, if it could turn around. And it just it just couldn't. Yeah, I know yesterday Joe and I were giving out grades for um, Shiro's time in New Jersey since 2015. Um, I had him around a B, B- minus for – you know, obviously the one playoff appearance, he made a lot of moves to improve the team. Um, if you were I threw in a, a B minus. Yeah, you gave out a B minus. I gave out about a B. 
if you were if you were gonna hand that grade for him A to F, what do you think it would be for you? Uh, for for who? I'm sorry. For Shiro, for, for Shiro's <laughs> time in um in New Jersey, what he did, you know, what he accomplished misses, you know, if you factor all that in A to F, what do you think? From from 2015 to yeah to yesterday. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I'd have to break it down into categories. Um, yeah. <laughs> like that—that's the easiest way. To, <laughs> we have to yeah. add that up and average. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's the easiest way to do it. Um, I, I, I give him. I'd give him like a similar similar to you guys. I think. I think a B, B minus is fair. I, I don't. I think his drafting was was a bit was a bit disappointing here and there, and uh, he did he he did pretty clearly lose some trades. The uh, Grabner trade and the uh, and the Mueller trade, but he really he he really did a great job with with very little, um, given the circumstances what he was handed. So so that was good. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, he did he did what he had to do here. I mean, obviously, you know, everybody remembers the Hall for Larson one for one, bringing in Subban this year, getting Gusev. Um, Paul Mary, uh, you know, and I, as I said yesterday, and under on one that a lot of people forget was the Marcus Johansson deal that he didn't even use his own draft, his own draft pick to get. It was like free money. Yeah. And he was he was honestly that that Johansson trade was was a was a very 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 good trade. Uh just give me a second guys. Yeah. I uh I, I got somebody at my door. Okay, cool. <laughs> Special delivery. <laughs> so anyways, uh I was saying to Jim that I think the Devils are in much better shape now asset manage wise. Uh but the way Fitzy's been around this team, it looks like we're in good hands. Do you agree? I think, yeah, yeah. I think I think the Devils are are in a. I think the Devil, Devils are in a in a pretty good place. Um, I, uh, I, I especially after the Hall trade, they they have the picks, they have the ammo they need that if they want to move up in the draft, whatever they can do. It, and um, if they want to bring in another, you know, another top four defenseman or, or whatever, they have the, the ammo to do that. <clears throat> so I think that's good. And uh, and and they are they're still a young team. They have Hughes. They have Heischer. There's there's a lot of good there. So and so you have a lot of young talent coming in. This is great for uh, the internal competition going forward, barring any trades, any other movement. Uh, if Marty Bordeaux ever became GM, do you see him going like the Quebec major junior hockey league route and maybe a few guys from uh, the St. Louis organization, et cetera, if he ever did? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure he'd look at, at, uh, bringing people from, uh, from, from St. Louis for sure. Um, that, that wouldn't surprise me at all. So if you were Martin Berder and let's say you had some notes from your days in St. Louis, 
and you wanted to basically you have a couple of years from you scouted a few kids that are available in this year's draft. Who do you like that are in the St. Louis system? Uh, I really, for, for St. Louis, I, I really like, uh, Clem Costin. Uh, he's one of my favorites out there. And, and what about Dallas since they, they are in the same division? Uh, Dallas, Dallas has an interesting prospect pool. Um, Ty Delandria, uh, Thomas Harley is Thomas Harley is somebody that, that I think, um, the devils probably, if they, if they got anywhere in trade discussions with, uh, with Dallas about Hall, that they would have certainly discussed Harley. So what about a guy like on Dallas that is playing over, in um, I believe Finland right now, Julius Honka. Um, were you surprised the Devils didn't go after that, or after him, or is he maybe? A- I like Honka. I I like Honka too. Um, but I think I think th- there there were rumors about Honka, and the Devils had a deal for Honka, but then Honka didn't want to play in New Jersey, and I don't necessarily believe that. Um, I think Honka would have played anywhere that that would have taken him this year. Um, anywhere that would have paid him to play hockey in the NHL, he would have gone. But uh, I would have loved to see them get somebody like Honka. I, I've been a, a big Honka guy, but I knew, and, and I, I don't think Honka will end up in New Jersey um, as long as Tyler Dello is part of the analytics department. Because even when he was at the Athletic, actually Dello wrote a uh, an article specifically about not linking Honka. So I, I don't see that one happening. Yeah. And there's other players out there that could be these diamond in the rough players. So who are these diamonds that you're looking at if you're Fitzgerald or Brodeur going forward? I'd I'd hope they'd they'd target some of the uh like the, the similar to the Paul Mary deal where you're getting somebody who's an RFA that, that you can give some turn room on it on a cheaper deal. And I haven't done too much looking at, uh, at RFAs, but I do like the idea of trying to snag somebody like Andre Kasha from Anaheim, who's a phenomenal player. Um, so if they could, if they could get a deal for him and, and he is, he, he's an RFA at the end of the year, the devils have picks and, and, and I doubt Anaheim would want to move him with where they're at, but, but who knows? Because there were times there there was speculation that the Devils would have been uh, interested in guys like Line and so on and so forth, uh, or Marner in the off season. And I know that drew up big views on my Pucks and Pitchforks account. But uh, do you see certain players that restricted free agency off the top of your head you might be getting? Um. I, <laughs> I wouldn't expect anybody to. Uh, I I don't. I never expect anything with RFAs. Teams don't offer sheet. It's going to take a trade, and uh, and I the Devils are in in the position that it wouldn't shock me to see them go out and and spend some picks on an RFA as long as they were a big name, and uh, just just given the current situation. But but uh, I wouldn't do anything too drastic if I was the Devils. They're 
they've got a good core to build around. And, uh, and I really do think patience is the key here. Or as, or as um, Blitzer and Harris like to say with the 76ers, you got to trust the process. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, I think it's crazy because at this point, if the, 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 the true trust the process guys are done trusting the process, then what are we supposed to do? Yeah. Or as I say on the air, uh, we're here to bring sanity, but not insanity. Do you want to market that? <laughs> no, I prefer insanity. Yeah. I mean, it's just so weird. Because the good insanity, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just so weird because they think like, like I made this comparison. And, and, you know, it's weird because, you know, yeah, these guys, they own the 76ers, but the NBA is so different than the NHL. If you can have two guys in, you can get two guys in the draft. They can come in and play, and your team can turn around instantly. It's a little different in National Hockey. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the NHL is is obviously a little bit more difficult. Um, we see the uh, Connor McDavid led Edmonton Oilers struggling to make the playoffs, <laughs> and uh, he's far and away the best player in the NHL. <coughs> you just don't see that in other leagues. Um, the NFL is a quarterback driven league. If you have a good quarterback, you can do anything. The um, NBA, if you if you have LeBron James, you're good. But the NHL, it, it takes a team. It truly does. And and I heard it said best today. If the NFL is a quarterback-driven league, well, the National Hockey League is still a goaltender-driven league. It's true. Yeah, absolutely. And we talked about that earlier. If, yeah. If, if the Devils do do something different with their goaltending situation coming into this year, then, then John Hines probably still has a job and they're competing for a playoff spot. Um, uh, except for the fact that he's in Nashville uh, enjoying uh, some nice uh, fried chicken and waffles. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, Nashville is a great place to be, too, so he's a lucky man. Well, enjoy country music, but we got to think about what the free agent market currently looks like right now with – I know Pietrangelo's 30 years old. Six half million dollars probably going to look for a little bit more. Uh, you also have Tyson Berry, who's out there, five and a half million. Tori Krug, uh, Zach Bogosian, uh, TJ Brody, Vatnin out there, uh, along with Vatnin out there, uh, being a devil. Who else do you see on that list of uh, free agents that you think the Devils should sign and should stay away from? I, I I actually enjoyed Ray Shiro's avoid pretty much any free agent that wanted term and money <laughs> philosophy. I, I was uh, there. There were certain free agents that I would have targeted, um, and and I'm always I'm always after the budget guys. Um, and and I don't think any of those names really fit the budget profile. Um, and, and and I still I I haven't even done my my free agency digging yet, and, and eventually I will. But I, I don't think that I don't think that the pieces or the piece the Devils are going to bring in defensively this year. I, I don't think it's in free agency. I think if they're going to do it and, and they're going to do it right, they're going to they're going to use a first round pick. But I could see them. Um, they've continually continually been linked to TJ Brody, and, and he is someone I could see. My worry is, is that his defensive outputs aren't as good as people think they are. And I think he's going to get more money than, uh, than I'd like to give to, to any free agent defender. So 
So let, let me throw that in there. Uh, Toronto does not have a first round pick. Uh, it was traded away June 22nd, 2019. Uh, with that uh, first round of 2020, I know the Devils can do a lot with that pick. Do you think they can leverage something in a, in a deal with uh, Toronto? Similar to earlier. Um, I, I think I think what, what you'll see with Toronto is that they're going to have to move actual NHL pieces. Um, so maybe you get a – instead of a first-round pick, maybe you get a Kapanen or uh, Andreas Johnson or – or something like that, or maybe you get um, one of their NHL defensive prospects. I don't think you get Lilligren or Sandine, but maybe you get Bracco. Or, or th- there's a lot that that can happen. And and th- the reality is, the Devils are probably, if they make a deal with Toronto, taking on somebody like Cody Cece and his contract. So th- there's a lot of there's a lot of value to be had there. So it basically does garner a lot of return on investment. Uh, you also have, let's see, on that non-roster forward list, Nicholas Robertson's also included there, along with Bracco. Uh, you also have Lilligren, like you said, uh, Jesper Lindgren as one of them. Then you have Joseph Wall, their goaltender. So, uh, and uh, Casimir uh, Kaskiswa. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot um, that they that they can do with with Toronto player wise um, pieces they could they could pursue, and and I do think Toronto would be a great trade partner if they're going to move a defenseman. And I do think Toronto would have interest in Severson, a lot of interest in Severson. So, and so let's hypothetically hy- hypothetically thinking, you know, let's take that uh, that that 2020 draft pick, throw in Severson. What else is in that pot right there? Uh, I mean, if if you're getting a draft pick, uh, you're probably getting a draft pick, and maybe like maybe like Bracco, somebody like that. I could see if, but I think if you're getting a first, you're probably just getting even if it's 2020 first, you're probably just getting um, an, an additional pick. I don't think you're getting too much more than that uh, at the, at this point. So. But at the same time, uh, it could go between four through thirty-one. So this should be used a little bit more wiser, a little after the trade deadline. So do you see that uh, if Fitzgerald is there with Broder, they try and uh, it's like putting the carrot in front of the uh, the horse's mouth. Do you think they'll get something extra if they try and entice a few teams? Yeah, uh, it's always possible. And I do think with the rest of the Devils pieces, it makes sense to wait um, until the trade deadline and see how high those prices get. Um, with Hall, it made it made sense to move him as fast as possible, and I, I was fully on board with that. But uh, but with with these other pieces, I, I don't necessarily know that there's that there's any rush. Um, the market has to you know be there, and and for Hall, the market was there because he was clearly the best piece available. Um, with these other with these other players, there's other pieces, there's other players available, so uh, um, it'll be nice to have some healthy competition and, and see how high those prices can get. It's definitely going to be an interesting trade deadline for sure, um, regardless of how how active the Devils are or not. I mean, I know one guy that's been linked 
lately has been Kyle Palmieri, and that could have been one of the reasons why Shiro got let go, like we talked about. And, and he's been linked to Boston. You know, he's got, you know, term left. Um, but say hypothetically it happened that he that the Boston and Devils tried to make become a trade partner. Who do you think on their roster that you think they would get back for him? I uh, I don't think they'll get him back, but I I would like to see Danton Heinen come back. I talked about Heinen a lot last year when the Devils were getting ready to to move Johansson and Boston started being linked. And uh, Heinen's such a good player; he's so underrated. He's that perfect middle six center he can play wing he's he's so good um i'd love to see somebody like heinen but it wouldn't shock me if they move paul mary if they end up getting somebody like debrusque back um he's obviously he's not as good as paul mary but he's younger he's an rfa um so it, a little bit more physical yeah I, paul mary's still a pretty physical player so uh but but yeah it, it, that debrusque wouldn't shock me um I know. I think Andrew Bjork was was one of the rumored ones in an athletic article. Yeah. Um, I'd prefer to go a different direction than, than Bjork, but but uh, and and I I genuinely don't think the Devils move Paul Mary at this at this point. No, neither do I. I mean, he's just been linked. But I, I personally, I would rather like resign him. I think that would, should be a, an off season goal to get him resigned. I know he's an. I know he has one year left on his deal, but. Link him up long term would be wise. He likes playing here. He's a Jersey kid. I, I just the the fit is perfect. He's you know he's on the top line. I don't know if he wants to go back to a situation that he had in Anaheim where one night he could be on the top line and the next night he's playing you know second third line. I think he's found his role in New Jersey. Yeah, and I, honestly, I think part of the the issue is I I don't think Kyle Palmer, Palmieri is is truly a first line right wing. I think he is a he is a second liner. Uh, but but he's he's in the role he is right now, and he's a great shooter. He's great defensively, um, and and it's fine that the Devils are using him on their first line. I just I, the only thing that worries me with extending him is is what are they going to pay him? Is he going to take a hometown discount? Because I mean, this is as hometown as it gets. So um, and I, pretty much as hometown. Yeah, I would love to see him extended uh, come July first, and, and I think it's realistic. I don't think he's going anywhere now. And uh, I, I really don't think even Shiro was trying to move him uh, at that at this point. It looks like it looks like it, most of it was speculation and buzz being created by other teams and, and other teams' writers. So, um, I wanted to go back a little bit on RFA players that the Devils could pry. I'm looking at uh, cap friendly. So on uh, the defense spectrum, they have. $12.33 million plus going into the 2020-21 season. Uh, Darnell Nurse is currently sitting at $3.2 million. Do you think the Devils can possibly use that Arizona first and try and pluck Darnell Nurse along with maybe a Severson? Uh, I, I don't. I don't see... Edmonton moving nurse, not given the fact that, but and if, if, if they are going to move nurse, I also don't think it's going to be for a pick. I think it would be for, uh, for somebody that, that they can, that they can throw on McDavid's wing right away. So if you're trying to get nurse, I think maybe you're giving up Paul Mary instead of that pick. It's, it seems like the perfect storm. I know a lot of devil's fans. I know Beer Baron on the Let's Go Devils podcast reiterated that. Um, 
at times you can't get too close to certain players because uh, players do get traded, and they're and it's a business at the same time. I do like Darnell Nurse. He he can play a very physical defensive game. He can also play offense, and he plays you know up to his favorite mentor in Scott Stevens. And I was told by someone who's our source that he's very likely coming back now that um, Shiro's out. Yeah, that, that wouldn't shock me. It'd, it'd be good to see. And that's that's somebody, if, if you put together a, a coaching staff that is somebody like like I talked about, Gronberg, and then you have Larry Onov as the offensive assistant and, and Stevens as a, as a defensive assistant, that's a really, really good coaching staff. And that's exactly what you want to see um, on a young team that, that's certain to look to compete. So. Yeah, it'd be weird, you know, going back to the Edmonton thing for a minute. I think that's one of the main reasons also, I think, why Edmonton didn't pull the trigger on the whole deal is because I don't think they wanted to give up on their defensive prospects or any of the current defensemen that they have because it had been an area of weakness for them for so long, and now they've finally got it to where they like it. (coughs) Just to take a step back just to get a guy from McDavid's wing would you know set them back because they have aspirations of making the playoffs this year yeah and and i i think the devils in that scenario are probably asking for Broberg, and i don't think they had any desire to give him up and uh and i do think if the devils are going to try to pry someone like nurse away from the oilers it's going to cost a scoring winger and maybe it's not palmary maybe it's jesper bratt which which is more tolerable, I, I I'd say maybe it is, maybe it isn't. It depends on who you are yeah. and how much how much you value um, Bratt's age and the fact that he's an RFA versus Paul Mary and the fact that he's about to be a UFA. So, and it seems like a a more digestible uh, pill to swallow for uh, a guy like Tommy Fitzgerald, and then you have Brodor has to weigh in on it, and then. Maybe they talk to uh, Tyler Dello and then maybe they talk to ownership to see if they can, you know, just wheel, wheel the trade Um, going into um, you. I know you have a really good source. You were the guy that put out the special thing that uh, Taylor Hall was getting traded uh, because it was his last home game. Uh, Do you have anything coming through the shoot? Uh, you know, for February? No, no, I, I, I get texts. I don't, I don't, I don't text. I don't, I don't bother. Uh, so when I get information, I, uh, I, I'll put it out there. But I haven't gotten anything going forward on, on any of the devils. Um, and so I, I, I don't. And I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens going forward. I really don't know what direction they're going to go. And I don't know if they're going to move anybody or if they're not going to move anybody or who they're going to move. So it's everything's in flux right now. And everything is just go ahead, Jim. And it all comes down to who, you know, obviously we know who the general manager will be at the trade deadline, but then it all comes down to who the general manager. Once the new season begins at the draft and then free agency. Yeah, absolutely. And it just feels like, you know, there's going to be guys like 
uh, Castron, Gates Orlando, Gates Orlando being the DOA now. Um, I know there's going to be some turnover. Do you think there's going to be some interesting uh, like personnel that the Devils can find in case if one of those two or two of those guys leave? Uh, it- it that's even harder to to go on than than talking about GMs and coaches because that's somebody that that the, whoever the the next GM is, is is absolutely going to bring in and so I think it would make sense for for uh, Fitzgerald to try and keep everything intact if he's going to be the guy but if they bring in somebody um, from the outside then then we'll probably see an entirely new staff and, and it's hard to say who they're going to bring in because they're going to want that level of familiarity. And it and it seems like if Ray Shiro goes to let's say Nashville and replaces David Poyle, and maybe Poyle steps down, do you see you know a lot of trading between uh, New Jersey and uh, Nashville? I I mean I could see it currently um, happening, but but yeah I do think it, it. I don't I don't necessarily know if Shiro will go replace Poyle, but I could see him going. Um, we see. GMs give their friends AGM positions all the time. We saw Shiro do it with Fletcher. Um, so it, it wouldn't shock me at all if Shiro ended up in Philadelphia as an assistant GM or if Shiro ended up in Nashville as an assistant GM. And, uh, and then maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe you do see, see some, some pieces moved to, to those teams that he's familiar with. And I've seen Ron Hextall linked to the New Jersey Devils. I know uh, he's Martin Brodeur's, uh goalie idol. I know it's seen, I know it sounds uh, a little odd for Devils fans to have someone who's a, a famous flyer. Uh, can you reiterate on that a little bit more? I, I mean, there's there's been a lot of candidates rumored already, and, and Hextall is one, but. I, I don't I don't think he's that serious of a candidate. It, it wouldn't it wouldn't upset me if they interviewed him and if they ended up bringing him in. I don't think he did a bad job in, in Philly, but uh, I, I don't I don't necessarily know that that he's somebody that that they'll actually target for for the GM position. Yeah, I just don't I don't see Hextall being one of those guys. I mean, don't get me wrong, he did it. He did you know his job well in, in Los Angeles as an assistant, and then you know he. I didn't think he did personally did a bad job in Philadelphia. I just think Philadelphia just handled the whole firing situation wrong. Um, but yeah, I just don't know if the fits there. Um, I, I personally, for me, I think it comes down to, you know, ownership. And if they feel that if Tommy Fitzgerald is their guy, they're going to give him the season and then just, just take the tag off of him come the summertime. Think I think that's probably going to be probably going to be what we see happen. Yeah. And so, um, with all that being said, um, do you have any thoughts on Scott Sandlin possibly possibly being uh, a coaching candidate for the New Jersey Devils? I bring in Sandlin in as a uh, as a coach for the Devils. Um, I don't, I don't think he did a good job at World Juniors with Team USA this year. I think he did a pretty bad job. Um, he's had a ton of success at, at Minnesota Duluth, but uh, I I don't I don't see it. I don't see it happening personally. 
Um, what about Tony Granado from University of Wisconsin? Um, I could definitely, um, I could definitely see Granado. That that wouldn't shock me. Granado's been at least at least getting an yeah, interview. Yeah, I mean Granado's been kind of one of my guys. I I've been looking at to see if if they didn't stick with Nazarene. I always I always thought Granado was a great assistant coach, and I thought he could transition well to the to to a head coaching role. Um, but then again, you don't know. I mean, look at um, with John McLean. Obviously, you know he he's better suited for to be an assistant than a head coach. But uh, you know he's doing wonders with Rick Tockett and his staff on his staff. So it's it, it's hard with these coaching candidates. I guess it's the same thing like with Foley's as you said before. I think the whole Bill Peters situation kind of raised some red flags for. Uh, teams hiring new coaches from from outside the system. Don't you think that has kind of thrown a wrench into some things? Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. There's There's been a, a lot of I, – I think I, – well, yes and no, I guess. Because um, head coaching, yes, but, but I don't think stuff like that really truly scares teams away or anything like that. So – it, there's a, there's a, and I also don't think that, that there's that much of a shuffle because Jeff Ward is looks like he's staying in Calgary too, so it's not like there's another opening and and Bill Peters isn't getting hired anywhere anytime soon, so. And so it seems like you know, we are we have had a very productive podcast. Uh, one of my final questions will be. Uh, what do you think uh, the Devils will do to prepare for uh, the upcoming NHL draft combine and um, and and of course the amateur scouting? Um, what do you see most uh, analytics people doing in between now and then? Uh, I mean, analytics wise, uh, there's not going to be much change. Uh, Teams will be teams will be paying attention to the same stuff they've been paying attention to, um, and I think part of what makes sense and what's good about Fitzgerald staying on as, as GM is is that uh, there's there's the continuity there for the draft and for free agency. It's not like you're you're handing him the team ten minutes there ten days before the draft, and, like and, uh, and you end up with another Zaka. So I, I think I think the Devils actually given the circumstances are handling this pretty well. So, and uh, this is my final one um, before we wrap it up. Um, you know, with the way the devils have been playing, I mean, both we all, we're all realistic that they're not going to make the playoffs, but do you think they could go on their typical January, February one and inch closer to a, a spot, but not make it obviously, but you know, go on when the, the devil's typical run where they hit a nice winning streak. Yeah, I, I could, I could absolutely see that. Um, I, I think it, it'll, it'll depend. Obviously, um, if, if the underlying numbers don't, don't have a drastic shift, I do genuinely think we could see the Devils um, actually get worse. Um, but it's all going to depend on goaltending. Um, if Blackwood's healthy and he plays well, and Schneider's back in the NHL and and he has his confidence back, then yeah, the Devils could absolutely 
uh, win a bunch of games. But but if the goaltending doesn't hold up, then uh, then I could I think you could see this team right back into into that that thirty or thirty one spot. So yeah, I definitely yeah I agree. I mean they they've been known to do this, so it wouldn't be out of the uh, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility. Especially if you know they run Blackwood into the ground or they play Domingue a little bit too much, but next season they're going to have to find some extra chemistry, but try and work things a little bit better in the second half. Um, we're getting ready to close it up. Tyler, you've done so much uh, to help us out in this uh, episode on such a 24 hour notice. Uh, can you tell us more about your upcoming uh, blog and uh, other things that we can find you yeah, so uh, my, my next two pieces will probably be, be coming out this week, and, and I'm going to take a, a, a deeper look at something we talked about on this podcast today. I'm going to take a little bit of a deeper look at uh, the Coleman's Ajax Gusev line, and then I'm going to take a little deeper dive at, in uh, in the Ray Shiro's GM career in, with, with a little bit more Pittsburgh spin, too. And uh, and so those those two should be in Pittsburgh's books uh, this week. And, and Tyler, I thank you uh, for coming on the podcast today. It was great. Uh, I know we messaged last night. You said you'd be, you'd be ready to go jump on. I uh, Thanks for uh, joining this, uh, as I called it, an air table discussion because not, we're, we're not at a round table. It's not a discussion room. <laughs> so, but but it, it's a nice discussion of the ebbs and flows of ratio through so many much topics. It's been great having you on. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. I, I really appreciate it. It's great coming on. Thank you. It's you're more than welcome anytime. Uh, let's go, Devils. Uh, we'll see you on Pucks and Pitchforks, and maybe you'll be on the Let's Go Devils podcast uh, coming right up after this because we got you some good airtime. <laughs> yeah, it's too much talking. Yeah, you. right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Peace. Peace, out. Peace out. Let's go, Devils. Right, Have a good night, everybody. Good night. With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are proud to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes. Plays it across, Vaughn, and drops, scores!